Good morning, Kale. It's Mom, and I just want to know why you want to know all this stuff. So, Dad, uh, apparently you have a half-brother. You want to know what part of my research is challenging? Tracing my family's names through the Atlantic slave trade. Family tree is just a bunch of names and dates. We may not be able to trace our clandestine or ancient ancestors using the traditional paper trail, but DNA and online archival sources have opened up a whole new world of possibilities. DNA testing has allowed me to find relatives I didn't even know existed, and most recently, probable connections to ancient ancestors. Hi, I'm Kale, your host of the Maple Family Treehouse. And in episode nine, I wanna share with you some of what technology and DNA has done for my search into my family roots. I give my unreserved gratitude to those who shared the land. The land in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Maine is the traditional territory of the Wabanaki Confederacy, who negotiated the Peace and Friendship Treaty. The land, now known as New York, to the Niagara region within Canada, is the traditional land of the Mohawk within the Iroquois Confederacy. London and the St. Catharines region are the land of the Mississaugas and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who negotiated the Between the Lakes Treaty of 1792. These are the vast lands of the Haudenosaunee, and west of London, Ontario, to the Sandwich Town in Windsor, is the land of the Attawandaron people. For the last 300 years, many of my ancestors have settled on and traveled through the land that sustained them. I pledge to show unreserved gratitude to the Haudenosaunee and the Attawandaron peoples with peace, caring, and sharing on and for this land. When I first started researching my family history, I joined one of the three major websites that offers to host a personal family tree that you can build with the support of a searchable database of digital archives. Once on the site, it became apparent that if you uploaded your DNA to the website, a whole new aspect of finding your relatives was possible. Well, it didn't take long for me to give in to the temptation and order my test. What happened next would shock me and bring light to a family secret. As soon as my DNA was uploaded to the website, I was able to see my DNA matches. One of my closest matches was a woman I didn't know. She contacted me right away. She had loaded her own DNA onto the website in the hopes of finding the relatives of her maternal grandfather who had grown up in an orphanage in London, Ontario. 
Our DNA indicated that we were second cousins with no common ancestors on her tree. But after a bit of chatting, we had our first lead. Throughout her grandfather's childhood, he visited a woman named Vera, and I had a great aunt named Vera. I told my newfound cousin to leave it with me, and I would ask around. I started with my father. He didn't have a clue, and he referred me to his oldest sister. When I reached out to my aunt, she told me a very interesting story. She said years ago, her younger sister was out celebrating with a group of friends when she was approached by a man who had overheard her last name in conversation. Isn't that strange, he said to my aunt. We both have the same last name in the same town. He went on to explain that his last name was his surname at birth, but he had no idea who his relatives were. Admittedly, my aunt stated that she and her younger sister both thought that there was more to the story. I had the same reaction when my aunt told me the story. There had to be a connection. London, Ontario is not a huge city. And if you meet someone with the last name, you are probably related. About a month later, I got an opportunity to follow up with my paternal grandmother and her sister, my great aunt. Not Vera, but a different sister. So there I was with my grandmother and a great aunt. I couldn't resist the temptation to talk to both of them about my newfound cousin and the questions that she had about her grandfather. The opportunity did finally present itself and I had both women sitting at a table with me. I casually mentioned that I had done a DNA test and added it to my family tree only to find a cousin I didn't know I had. And then I told them about her grandfather and asked the big question, did they know anything about his parents? My grandmother immediately claimed ignorance and then there was silence. And yes, it was awkward because not only did my grandmother's reaction seem defensive, but her sister sat there beside her looking across the table at me as if she desperately wanted to say something but couldn't. Later that same day, I was leaving and my great aunt asked me for my address to send me some photos from my family research. Of course, I gladly gave her my address. We said our goodbyes and as I drove home, I thought this could possibly be a dead end. I will have no answers from my new cousin. And I so desperately wanted to give her some. A few months later, I got the sad news that my grandmother had passed away. And a few weeks later, her sister passed away. That was it, or so it would seem. It was an end to a story, or so I thought. My father called me about a week after both their passing 
and he said that my great aunt had left me an envelope. I rushed to my father's house. I opened the envelope and there inside the envelope was the whole story of how my new cousin's grandfather was related to me. I looked up at my father and I said out loud for the first time, you have a half brother. The envelope that my great aunt sent me contained all of the documentation to verify that my paternal grandfather was married to another woman before he met my grandmother. And they had a son, Raymond, my cousin's grandfather. For reasons I don't know, that relationship ended shortly after Raymond was born. And after the marriage ended, my grandparents immediately got married. I should tell you that my grandmother was all of 16 years old when this all happened, and most likely not in any position to enter into an instant family. Although they did start a family of their own, almost immediately. I mentioned earlier that a woman named Vera would visit Raymond. This woman was my grandfather's sister. She stayed in touch with Raymond throughout his childhood, having him over on weekends and holidays. I was thankful that Raymond had that connection at the very least. Unfortunately, Raymond had passed away before I met my cousin. So he was not able to get reunited with his siblings but his granddaughter got the answers that she needed. I was so happy to return home and send her all of the digital copies of the documents that were sent to me. And she was happy to finally get all the answers to her long-standing family questions. And that, my friends, is what DNA can do. But that's not all DNA can do. Recently, I uploaded my DNA to a website that compares the DNA of subscribers to the DNA gathered from ancient remains from some of the most famous archaeological digs from around the world. I got many interesting results from this website, but some of the strongest DNA connections that I have, according to this website, are with Vikings. I know, manly, right? The Viking DNA that I'm linked to is from archaeological dig, two different archaeological digs that are linked to the same historical event, the St. Bryce's Day Viking Massacre. Let me give you a very brief background. Viking societies emerged in Scandinavia, Sweden, and Norway. The Vikings relied heavily on slavery for economic stability and growth. Kingships were an integral aspect to their social and political structures. Viking looting and pillaging supplied the economic demand for slaves within the Viking economic system, but also for silver, since the slaves were valued even more than most goods, such as clothing, furs, and supplies. 
The looting and pillaging took place all over England. The establishment of the Dane law and the death of Eric Bloodaxe, Viking king of Northumbria in 954, initiated the withdrawal of Viking forces and by default, the violence for a period of almost 25 years. But in 980, the raiders returned and began a new onslaught onto port towns all over England. The English ruler at the time, King Ethelred, tried to bribe the Vikings to stop the invasions, but instead the invasions continued and the demand for money increased over time. Finally, on November the 13th, 1002, the revolt against the Vikings was organized around an annual feast that was held in the name of a 5th century bishop named St. Bryce. There is now archaeological evidence that this revolt took place. The exact number of those killed is unknown, but we have evidence from two separate mass graves found in Oxford and Ridgeway Hill. And some of that evidence is DNA. In 2008, at St. John's College in Oxford, a burial site was discovered holding the bodies of over 35 Viking warriors. The skeletons showed evidence of violent deaths. Many of the attacks appeared to have been from behind, demonstrating a link to the idea of a massacre. A second archaeological dig in 2009, called the Ridgeway Hill Viking Burial Pit at Ridgeway Hill near Weymouth, Dorset, England, was a mass grave of 54 skeletons and 51 heads, not attached to the bodies, of Scandinavian men executed sometime between 9.10 and 10.30, fitting the same timeline as the St. Bryce's Day Massacre. The men in each of these sites are believed to have been Vikings executed by local Anglo-Saxons. The dismembered skeletons, approximate ages, and identities were later confirmed by forensic analysis. According to a comparison of my DNA with the two groups at each site, I have four genetic links at the Oxford site and two links at the Ridgeway Hill site. Without all of the technicalities, the six genetic links I had in these two groups of people ranged anywhere between 10 to 14% shared DNA. Expressed another way, I'm 67 to 94% closer genetically than others in the comparison sample population on this website. Three of the comparisons fell in the 90% range. While all of this is interesting and exciting, what do I do with this information? I had this idealist notion that going deeper than my settler past would help me to decolonize my sense of self and enable me to consider who I am in an even larger context with even deeper roots. I had thought that if I went back far enough, that somewhere there was some pre-colonial past that was better. Learning about my potential Viking connections 
has made me into more of a, a realist. I am just beginning to climb my family tree. I'm not a professional genealogist. I'm not a well-rounded historian. I certainly do not make any claims to understand genetics and how it reveals our connections, but I am beginning to understand how complicated my ancestors are. They each have their own story. They struggled with the challenges of the day and the choices they made and left a lasting legacy. Perhaps part of the healing that I have to do lies in the ability to see the complications, the legacy, and withhold judgment. I'm here now, listening, and taking responsibility for my actions today and tomorrow. It's a new day with new challenges. How will I respond? Can I look back at this time, years from now, and be confident and proud that I did the best I could for myself and for the people around me. Hey, before you go, I want to introduce you to Brian Nash. He's a fellow podcaster. Brian's show is called How We Got Here. In this show, Brian tells the stories of not only people in his family tree, but the stories of people and communities all over Nova Scotia. He calls upon experts and listeners alike to make, to make contributions and bring the past to life. If you enjoy Maple Family Treehouse, you will love the podcast, How We Got Here. Check it out on Spotify.com and check out his website, howwegothere.ca. Thanks for listening to the Maple Family Treehouse. I hope you enjoyed episode nine, Web Trees, DNA, and Vikings. Oh my. I would love to hear from you. No, really, I would love to hear from you. You can leave a message on my podcast platform at anchor.fm forward slash Maple Family Treehouse. That's anchor.fm forward slash Maple Family Treehouse. Tell me about how your own family research is going and the stories that have come out of it. Or just say hi. Until next Tuesday, cheers. Cheers.